Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey guys, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Before we start our episode, I wanted to point you guys to two quick things. One, I know the season is fast approaching, and with that comes old listeners finally popping back in, catching up on their podcasts and all that jazz. So for those of you who are trying to play catch up on Lakers Legacy Podcast or your new listeners to the show, I wanted to point you to some of our episodes this past summer that covered some of the Lakers' newest faces. Two episodes in particular that I wanted to veer you guys towards would be our two-part series on Mo Wagner. Part one of that series, 202, we brought on Mo Wagner's strength and conditioning coach, Travel Gaines of Athletic Gaines. And then part two of that series, we brought on Mo Wagner's basketball skills coach, Alex Bazell of Drew Hanlon's Pure Sweat Basketball. So I thought those two episodes were really great in getting a very holistic viewpoint of what an NBA athlete goes through during his off-season workouts to prep for the NBA. And then also one of my personal favorites would be Episode 200, Now You Svimi, which obviously covers Svima Kailu. For that episode, we brought on Svima Kailu's former teammate, Kansas Jayhawk center Landon Lucas. And he gives us a really cool and unique perspective of what it's like as a center to play with such a lethal floor spacer like Zvi. And because he played with Zvi for about three years at Kansas, he's able to give us an in-depth look and perspective on how Zvi first started out coming from overseas and how he progressed as a basketball player. So definitely check those two episodes out. Check out our last episode with Cartier French Tony, where he talks about his time training high school phenom Jaden McDaniels and how they got got a chance to work out with Clint Parks and Kyle Kuzma this offseason and pretty much just go through our queue and pick any new face, any new Lakers player you want, and we've got a specific awesome episode and guest for that player. Also... Tonight's episode is sponsored by Interlude Active. Interlude Active is a retreat brand that hosts a three-night, three-day retreat sort of boot camp that provides you with yoga classes, circuit training classes, 
physical therapy, body awareness seminars, as well as even some special healthy meal prep classes that's led by a professional chef on site. So yeah, if you're into fitness, wellness, and the holistic approach to just getting your mind and body right, check out interludeactive.com. Their next retreat is coming up in November from the 1st to the 4th. If you use promo code LakersLegacyPod, you'll get a 20% discount on your entire retreat package. So if you're into fitness, wellness, and just taking a break, please check out interludeactive.com. All right, now we turn you to your regularly scheduled Lakers Legacy podcast. You know, we're very new to each other, and that's the goal, but uh, we know that the road goes through Golden State. Uh, we, we understand that. The whole NBA understands that, and... Um, but that, that is always the goal. Each and every year you, you train and you prepare to try to get to another NBA final. So uh, that, that is my preparation. Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where, by the grace of Isaac Bonga, we are almost there. We see the light at the end of the tunnel, and man, what a long-ass tunnel of a summer it's been. So long that it's taken Tommy 10 viewings of Zubats' FIBA Croatia games, 37 viewings of Svimakailu's FIBA Ukrainian games, 13 viewings of Durag Lance pickup games, 2 viewings of Andrew Bynum's comeback workout video, which is probably two viewings too many, 23 viewings of LeBron James getting lit on his couch playing with the Lakers roster on 2K19, and 756 viewings from all different angles of Lonzo Ball's newly adjusted jump shot to declare himself clinically insane and admit himself into a basketball rehab center for how painstakingly long this summer has been. Now, Tommy, I know I made up that overdrawn and super corny intro just so that we'd have something funny to start the podcast off with. But does anything I mentioned above actually apply to you at all in any way this summer? Yes. <laughs> in what capacity? I'm watching a stupid amount of Zubats clips this summer. <laughs> now, did you go so far as to watch any off-season Isaac Bongo workout footage? I, I drew the line there. I, I, I will not watch that. <laughs> and we've also drawn the line this summer in making sure that we do not do an Isaac Bonga episode, um, much to everyone's dismay, I know. But Tommy, what do you think's led to how extra long this offseason has felt when, realistically speaking, it hasn't really been that long, especially when we take into account that everything starts a week or two earlier than it usually has in the past? Do you think it's just because of that extra LeBron hype factor? I think it definitely is um, the LeBron hype factor, but I don't know, man. I, I really, it does seem like this season has been dragging longer than normal. I I guess the playoffs after the first round were relatively unexciting. Maybe that contributed a little bit. I think the fact that we did not have a lottery pick contributed substantially because Normally, we're so deeply... Not to say that we were not invested this year, because we definitely looked at a lot of players, um, but we're normally like in 
intensely invested, right? And it's not just looking at, you know, we have the number two pick, let's look at all the top ten. It's also like, let's look at everything in the first round because we might trade down. Um, you know, so maybe that played a role too. I, I really don't know, to be honest with you, but it does feel like it's dragging. Yeah, for sure. But we can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Training camp starts on Monday, 924. Uh, sorry, training camp doesn't start Monday, 924. Media Day does, and that's a pretty lit experience, seeing everybody in their jerseys for the first time, cracking jokes, doing interviews, media availability, all that jazz. And then right after that, the next day, 925 Tuesday, training camp starts, and then we head into our first preseason game that Sunday, 930. And it's so close, I can almost taste it. Can't you, Tommy? Yes. Yes, you can. Great. Uh, Speaking of the LeBron factor and hype, tonight we are getting a unique look at the other side of things, the diehard Cleveland Cavaliers side, as we bring on Cavs and NBA reporter Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com. He comes on to give us the cardinal and gold angle of LeBron's second Ohio departure and the beginning of the hashtag LABron era. It's, It's a very insightful interview and... Chris Fedor has covered the Cavs pretty much since LeBron was a rookie. So he has a lot of perspective on this whole thing and a lot of perspective on who LeBron James is beyond just the jersey, beyond being a Cleveland Cavalier. And he has a lot of interesting takes on what he thinks of the Lakers roster and LeBron's outlook as a future Laker. But first, as usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate interview us on iTunes. Because the more you rate and review us, that's how many of his teammates' noses LeBron James will keep intact during practice for not bobbling one of his brilliant passes. But anyways, yes, please rate and interview us on iTunes. Also, patreon.com slash Podcast. Donate a dollar, donate two dollars. One-time donation, become a monthly patron, anything helps. Yeah, before we get to my interview with Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com, the topic that I wanted to bring you to, to you tonight, Tommy, it, it's actually a LeBron James angle, and it's this idea of the worst case scenario. This is the this is the scenario, Tommy, where the haters are right, and we did end up wasting LeBron's prime, and maybe he did make the wrong decision coming here. And after four years, and maybe they were even a competitive four years, but after four years, he never wins a championship. How would you view that worst case scenario? And even in spite of that, why can you look those haters in the eye and laugh at their face? Should the most unfavorable outcome happen for us as Lakers fans? The reason I think we can do that is because even that quote-unquote worst-case scenario is really not that bad. I think maybe this is the spoiled Lakers fan, and and at least in me, coming out. uh, But we're not a city that hasn't won a championship in basketball or any sport, you know, for the last 40, 50 years. And so because of that, I feel like we have a little bit more, I don't know, patience. I don't know if, if that's the if that's the right way of phrasing it, but we're not in a situation where we have to throw everything that we have into, you know, a four-year window and say, we have the best player in the world. We have to win one in the next four years or else our franchise is a joke. We luckily have some history behind us. And... The reason I say it's it's not going to be a failure regardless of what happens is because we have all these young guys. Let's say four years, nothing happens. At the end of that four years, LeBron retires or leaves to another team. At that point, Brandon Ingram is 24. Lonzo's 24. Kuzma's about 26. 
Josh Hart's 25-26. Svee is like 24. We, we still have so many of these young guys who can play and who can contribute. And those guys are going to develop so much faster playing in meaningful games. And not, it's not just meaningful games in the playoffs because I think in the next few years, LeBron is probably going to take us at least to the Western Conference Finals at least once or twice in the next four years. And if he does do that, these guys are going to get that obviously that deep playoff experience. But beyond the deep playoff experience, there is something to be said about playing in meaningful regular season games. And I know we have this really great culture and Luke has done a great job developing it and the front office and everybody has contributed of no matter what the game is, no matter what the circumstances are, we compete every night. And that's a very admirable thing. But it's one thing to compete every night and it's one thing to compete every night in competitive games. You know what I mean? Like so many of our games last year, they were competitive and then at the end everything just fell apart. Um, and most teams, it's like you you put together an NBA team with NBA caliber players. If you're competing, you're going to stay in the games. And that's kind of where we stood last year. Now we can actually win some of those games. And being able to play in close games and win them is completely different than just being able to play in close games. So... All of that stuff is going to contribute, and then all of a sudden you end up in this situation where four years have passed, and all of your guys are in their mid-20s. We're still going to be, even without LeBron at that stage, I would be shocked if we were not a playoff caliber team, um, given the development that LeBron is going to help with these young guys on our team. And then you look around the NBA and it's like, okay, well, we have a whole roster full of guys in their mid-20s who have been trained by LeBron James for the last four years and have made deep playoff runs in at least a few of those years. So those guys are going to be so... And they're going to be still a very young core, which is crazy to say in four years they're still going to be that young. But they're still going to be a very young core and it's going to put us in a position to win even more championships down the line. You know, we didn't throw everything into a a basket to win one in the next four years. And then everything is so unpredictable in the NBA. What if the worst case scenario to me is actually we put everything in one basket to win in the next four years and then we don't win. And then at the end of four years, we're left with nothing. At least in this scenario, yeah, at least in this scenario, we have something to fall back on, which is our young guys. And theoretically, for six, seven years, because even more than that, seven, eight years after LeBron retires, these young guys are still going to be in the NBA and they're still going to be good players if they develop the way we think they're going to develop. So you're, you're just extending that window. No, absolutely. It will all be worth it. And, you know, without LeBron, if we take LeBron out of this entire situation, we, we hopefully anticipate that our guys will still progress and they'll still be pretty good players. But you add LeBron to that entire equation and he amplifies everybody. He expedites their development and progression and like you said by the t four years from now the Warriors are going to be even more so on their decline if they're not already there mentally you know they're going to be all four years older Kevin Durant will be 34 or Steph Curry will definitely be 34 around that age and by that time provided that the Lakers don't totally jettison their entire young core off, I'm still anticipating moves to be made, but I also anticipate that there will still at least be two or three of the young core that remain. And those two or three who have had the last four years alongside LeBron, those guys, I have to believe, 
will be all-stars already and be set up to take that next Lakers team down that championship road. So if all LeBron does is take us to the very top of the peak just so that we're peeking over the edge, then that was worth it. I, I will have full confidence in Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, whoever remains out of those guys to tip it over and get us that championship, especially with how young they'll still be coming out of that. So, and, and you know, maybe we'll eat our words and most of the young guys are shipped out and LeBron James does his tyrannical dictatorship thing. You know, that could definitely happen. But I feel like things have changed in so many different areas, including LeBron's life and the long-term commitment he made to the Lakers is full sign of that, giving the Lakers flexibility and giving them the time to actually build out a long-standing, sustainable roster. That was the whole point of all this, right? The whole point of LeBron's long-term commitment and the Lakers holding steadfast in not surrendering assets at the first sign of a shiny new superstar, right? They passed on Paul George, they passed on Kawhi Leonard. Um, It's all about long-term sustainability. And yeah, like like you said, the dirty little secret in all this is this is more than just LeBron. So in the worst case scenario where LeBron James comes out of his Lakers tenure with no championship, of course we're going to be disappointed. But the influence and impact that he'll have on the young guys is simply invaluable. And I, and I have to believe that it will usher us into um, that championship phase, um, much in the way that Shaq helped usher Kobe in to kind of leading his own team in the future you know what I mean LeBron is that good so maybe none of our guys are to the same caliber of Kobe obviously but we do have a lot more of those types of guys if that makes sense so where Shaq had Kobe LeBron has Josh Hart Brandon Ingram Kyle Kuzma Lonzo Ball he has more more assets and ammo than than Shaq had to kind of mentor and groom into at least becoming all-stars type players, or at the very, very least, being starting caliber type players on a contending team. And I think that's all you can ask for coming out of this. So obviously, I hope and anticipate we'll win at least one championship in these next four years. But even if that doesn't happen, as Lakers fans and as a Lakers legacy and organization, we're, we are much above that. And it means more to us that LeBron James is choosing to spend the last few years of his prime with our young core group and helping them develop. Yeah, I think that will pay huge dividends. So lastly, if you just want to talk to that aspect of why are you a little more confident that LeBron James doesn't totally lay waste to everything, even, even knowing that in the back of your head, Still very much a possibility. Well, I think a lot has changed in LeBron's career. And I think LeBron is a very smart player. And, you know, you see it constantly, people talking about LeBron. Oh, LeBron, you know, is playing uh, chess while everyone else is playing checkers. And he's always ahead of the game and blah, 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 this and that, right? But he is really, really intelligent. And I think he can clearly see the folly of what happened in Cleveland, like, Cleveland kind of fits into that category of, well, we have LeBron James and we have Kyrie Irving, so we might as well put everything into one basket and see if we can win something because we haven't won a championship in 40 years. But you saw the folly in that because the second that was over, it was like, okay, now this team has no depth, everybody's 35, and they have horrible contracts. You know what I mean? So it's like, I think LeBron is smart enough to understand the salary cap and understand how to build a team and understand strategy beyond what literally is taking place on the court. I think he's 
one of the rare guys in the NBA who can actually see the big picture. The front office has said this, and they've said that LeBron and Magic and Palenka are all kind of on the same page about this, which is you're not going to beat the Warriors by playing their own game. And I don't think they literally just mean running and shooting threes because that's how we are we are going to play. I think they mean by stacking your team with superstars and nobody else and hoping for the best. The Warriors got really, really lucky. And they, they got really, really lucky because the salary cap jumped the exact year that Kevin Durant became a free agent and they were able to recruit him from this bad situation. You know, like that's not going to really happen again. And if they did not get Kevin Durant, maybe they wouldn't have won three championships in the last four years or whatever. You know, so I think LeBron is smart enough to know that he's going to need depth to beat a team like that or really to beat any team. And for that reason, it's in his best interest to just kind of like, let's see how things play out. If these guys are not going to be good with me and I'll be able to tell who's good once I get out there on the floor with them. And if these guys aren't able to show up and be good players with me, then that means they're just not that good of players. And we can think about next steps later, but I don't think he's, so gung-ho about coming in here and, and moving everything around like people thought at first. No, yeah, I agree. And I don't think even if he doesn't win a championship with the Lakers, he's tarnished his legacy because I think, like we've been saying the entire episode, his legacy with the Lakers, even if it means we're going to know who made Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, the players that they inevitably become if they are championship players in the future, right? I think a lot of that credit will still end up going to LeBron James, even if at the end of all of this, he doesn't win a championship. So I think that's the whole point of this discussion here that look it's it's a little self-serving we're, we're thinking more about the Lakers than LeBron but honestly not to say that I don't care about what what happens to LeBron here but just that his impact is going to be so long-standing that it's going to be worth it for the entire franchise as a whole and at least as far as I'm concerned I I think he's going to win at least one championship so yeah all right Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com joins us next just to talk about pretty much LeBron James's career arc he also gives us the Cleveland fan pulse of things, and, and we kind of try to dissect all the different angles that people are taking with LeBron's move to L.A., including those who are purely LeBron James fans who have moved beyond the Cleveland Cavaliers jersey and just kind of want to see LeBron succeed, to those who are Cleveland Cavaliers fans and just feel like, you know, that ex-girlfriend who just wants to see everything go wrong for LeBron now now that he's on the Lakers and and they're they're bitter about it, they're salty about it and they will use any ammo they can to discount the Lakers, discount the Lakers organization, discount their discount their young guys. So yeah, Chris Fedor and I talk about all those different angles and also what his thoughts are on LeBron's outlook with the Lakers moving forward and just the different dynamic between the two now that LeBron James has left Cleveland for a second time around and just the legacy he's leaving behind not only in Cleveland but just the NBA in general so it's a really insightful interview from someone that's covered LeBron since he was a rookie Um, definitely check it out and obviously reserve your judgments till after you've listened to the episode Uh, don't judge a book by its cover because I really enjoyed my time speaking with Chris Fedor and also it's just a really it's just really good to get a different take that you know is not pandering to a a specific certain crowd. So with that said, after the turn, you'll hear my interview with Chris Fedor of Cleveland.com. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. 
With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. What a lot of people are missing are how um, hungry for, for knowledge that the young guys have. That, that's going to help out even more because those guys are just hungry for knowledge. So uh, we look forward to that. All right, tonight we're pleased to have Cavaliers reporter, co-host of the Wine and Gold Cavaliers podcast, and host at 92.3 The Fan, Chris Fedoron, to give us the other side of things in the wake of the summer of hashtag LA Braun. Chris, thanks for hopping on with us tonight. How are you doing? Are you a tiny bit relieved in a weird way to be entering a less raucous, more by-the-book sort of Cavalier season? Uh, first, I'm great, Jonathan. Trying to enjoy the summer as much as possible. <laughs> What's left of it, anyway, here in Cleveland. Sure. Um, and it's interesting that you bring that up because I've had this conversation with my wife, and I feel like she's kind of interested in that, and she's more excited about that <laughs> because the season may end a little bit earlier, and that means longer summers, and that means maybe I'm not away as much. Um and I'm interested in it from the standpoint of the coverage is going to be way different. Um, and I think it's going to be quite a challenge to cover a team without LeBron that's going into the phase that the Cavs are going into. Um, but at the same time, Jonathan, I mean, I recognize that the last four years that I got to cover LeBron, that was probably the most rewarding four years that I'm ever going to have in my sure. career. And I don't take that for granted. And I know what he meant to this city because I was born and raised here. And I saw the way that my family reacted when he decided to come back. And I know that I'm in the position that I'm in with my career because of LeBron and because he came mm -hmm. back. And who knows what I would be doing if he didn't come back in 2014. So I can't lose sight of that, um, even though I'm interested to see what, what this Cavs season is going to be all about. Before we move forward, if you just want to plug your work and your podcast and any of your socials, please go ahead and do so. Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter. It's my name, at Chris Fedor, nice and easy, all one word, all together. Um, and then if you want to check out all my stuff, it's, it's really easy to find on cleveland.com slash Cavs. That's our Cavs page. It's going to have my stuff. It's going to have Joe Varden's stuff. And then we do the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, Jonathan probably once a week um, mm -hmm. during the season. It doesn't happen as often as it probably should during the summer because it's hard for us to both nail down a time when we can do it. Um, but you can find it on iTunes by searching Wine and Gold Talk, or you can find it on cleveland.com, or it's on Google Play. So um, if you've listened to it in the past, I know maybe some people in Los Angeles have because we've <laughs> talked so much about LeBron on that podcast. And because we talked to a couple of people from the Los Angeles Times about covering LeBron, and you liked what you heard, give it a like, subscribe, Wine and Gold Talk on iTunes. I'm definitely one of those people that did that. And I especially liked your your last podcast with Tanya Ganguly of the Los Angeles Times and just you guys riffing about how the coverage and will change for, for both parties involved and some of the pitfalls that come with LeBron um, entering into the fray. And we'll definitely get into some of that as we move along. But um. You know, when I first reached out to you, 
I had listened to a couple of your guys' podcasts, specifically your initial reaction episodes to LeBron's departure, and I was both refreshed and disappointed at how measured your guys' takes were towards LeBron's decision to join the Lakers and the unmyopic viewpoint you guys took to assess his long-term future with the Lakers. So refreshed because it was rare to hear a Cavalier-slash-LeBron take that wasn't steeped in incendiary, irrational vitriol. And disappointed that you guys weren't steeped in incendiary, irrational vitriol. Because <laughs> yeah, obviously that makes for much better radio. Of and course. <laughs> over the summer, there have been some Cavs bloggers who have banded together with some Miami Heat bloggers to show their distaste towards the Lakers and LeBron James and pretty much discounting anything related to what the, organiza- the Lakers organization and Magic Johnson have done to at least till the soil for LeBron's arrival, you know, so all of that good stuff. But at the end of the day, I was like, you know, but I think even though I want those hot takes and, and all of that, I think we'll have a much better discussion with someone who's a little <laughs> more, more measured tonight. But hey, if you want to channel some of that and just play a part, please go ahead and do so. <laughs> you have full liberty to do so. I usually do have hot takes, um, but but when it comes to the Cavs, I feel like I'm more measured because I cover them on a day-to-day basis. And because I know LeBron, well, actually, I don't know that anybody really knows LeBron, but I feel like I have a general idea of how he thinks and the Mm -hmm. way that he conducts himself and why he does what he does, because I've been around him so long. And it wasn't just the last four years in Cleveland. I mean, I covered him for a number of years in his first go around with the Cavs. Sure. Um, Mm -hmm. So I just feel like the insight that I've gotten from covering LeBron probably takes me away from incendiary guy when it comes to him and when it comes to the Cavs. But when we talk about the other sports teams in this town, I'll get pretty fiery. There's no doubt about that. That's fair. And it seems like you have a much fuller perspective on things, which I appreciate. Uh, Plus, I think it's really, really hard to get angry at LeBron when he's the the most important sports figure this city has ever had, right? Mm -hmm. And he delivered the four best years that any sports franchise will have for that period of time. So it's just like, what are you going to say bad about him, right? Right. And how are you going to criticize the decision that he made after delivering a championship in 2016 and giving the last four years and playing the way he did for the last four years? It's just hard for me to go down that road, and it's hard for me honestly, Jonathan, Mm -hmm. to criticize a lot about the Cavs in the position that they're in too, because the last four years have been incredible for this team. Um, And I don't think there's anything that they could have done different or they did wrong that sent LeBron to Los Angeles. So I I just, I don't know how you can be critical of the decision that he made to join the Lakers, truthfully. You'll have to counsel some Kobe stands out here that are still (laughs) grappling with that decision, but (laughs) they're not Lakers fans, by the way. But with that said, I guess since his departure, I just, I want to get your quick thoughts on just the I promise school initiative, him coming back there. How did that kind of sort of round things out for you? I mean, you were already on the side of not being mad at him at all, but was that the perfect way to cap his time? And it's not like he's leaving Cleveland, but was that, like the perfect bookend in your in your eyes, if that was the last time we've seen him in a Cavaliers uniform, that that's his like final statement that'll live on till who knows. I thought it was I thought it was incredible, and in being there and covering it, um, like I knew how much what he was doing for the city of Akron in Northeast Ohio, like 
I knew what he was doing and how much that meant to everybody involved in it. Mm-hmm. But being there and seeing the reactions from the kids and, and seeing him put the same kind of effort into that um, and making sure that it was as close to perfect as possible, you know, bringing Tori Kelly, the message that LeBron himself delivered on stage, just everything about that particular day and, and seeing how the kids responded to that. Like, I, I think that did put into perspective that when you have a conversation about LeBron James and what his legacy is, you have to include um, the stuff that he does away from the basketball court. Absolutely. Because he has always said himself, Jonathan, that I'm not defined just by what I do with a basketball, right? My scoring, mm-hmm. my assists, my rebounding. I'm trying to use this platform that I have. Um, that I've gotten because of the hard work that I've put in on the basketball court and taking myself to the level of basketball player that I am. Like I'm using that platform that I earned in order to make sure um, that that the kids that that need help that walk the same streets that I used to walk and you know um, deal with the same problems that I mm-hmm. used to deal with that they can have it better than me when I was growing up. And I just, you know, being there that day and hearing his message and seeing the kids' response, I do think it really brought it home for me. Mm -hmm. And that's why that day that I was there, I went there and I didn't know what I was going to write about, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. Um, We knew that we were going to get time with LeBron. We knew that it was probably going to be shorter than we wanted to dig into all the stuff that we had to dig into after his decision to go to Los Angeles. Um, So I didn't know what I was going to be writing. I knew I was going to be writing at least a basketball story, whatever he said about Cleveland, whatever he said about the Lakers, however brief it was going to be. And I ended up writing a column that was completely different, that was, that was about the opening of the school and, and how that solidified his legacy in Northeast Ohio. And there's basically nothing that you can say about LeBron from a negative standpoint, in my mm-hmm. opinion, because his legacy is secure, no matter what he does in Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And, you know, like just watching all the coverage and the interviews that he did and the the specials on the school and seeing the kids and all that, you know, it was humbling to be a part of. And it was humbling to know that, oh, he he picked us and we can't take this moment for granted. You know, like this is his first stint with the Lakers and to open up in this way, it uh, it's it's beyond basketball. It's transcendent, you know, and so, it yeah, it's it's just a great story overall. So um, with that said, obviously, I brought you on to give us the Cleveland fan pulse and temperature check on everything. And obviously, you can't speak for every fan, but I'm assuming that you guys know more than others, just the different factions of of people who have felt a certain way since LeBron left a second time. Mm -hmm. Um, Are there LeBron fans who, you know, so obviously, Lakers fans are very familiar with one, being a Laker fan, and then two, being a Kobe fan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, one being a Laker fan, one being Shaq fan. So is is it sort of similar with the Cavaliers in terms of there are Cavaliers fans and they're also LeBron James fans who still will root for the team, but they'll kind of follow LeBron wherever he goes. Are there a faction of those LeBron fans who, especially because the Warriors have become this insufferable common enemy that people just want to see LeBron take them down, even if that means he's doing it in a Lakers jersey? 
So I think beyond that, Jonathan, it's the fact that he's ours. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Sure. Like, people from Northeast Ohio can take pride in the fact that the greatest basketball player on the planet grew up in Akron. Um, and he delivered 11 of the best years that anybody could have ever imagined. Like, despite all of the hype that he was that he was um, given as, as soon as he reached high school, you know, plastered on magazines, uh, stories written about him, comparisons to Michael Jordan, comparisons to other greats that came before him, including Magic Johnson. Um, for him to, to live up to that and even top that hype um, and the fact that he was Northeast Ohio's own and the fact that he delivered a championship to the city and ended the title drought in 2016, um, and the fact that he has given back so much to this area, I think that's what people take pride in. And, and look, there's going to be a segment of fans that, one, don't understand why he picked the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are still fans that are grappling with that, saying, like, why would you go to Los Angeles? Are you kidding me? Los Angeles isn't that much better off than Cleveland from a roster basketball standpoint. So there's a segment of fans that are still grappling with that. There's a segment of fans that are pissed. Of course, they're going to be pissed. Um, they're fans. You know, that's short for fanatic for a reason. <laughs> sure. They're going to be emotional. Um, LeBron James sparks a lot of emotions for a lot of people. Um, that's just the kind of impact that he has. And, and taking him away from the Cleveland Cavaliers, that takes away this this basketball team's chance to compete for a championship. So people are going to be pissed about that. Um, but, but I don't think it's to the level, obviously that it was in 2010 when he decided mm-hmm. to leave the Cavs the first time for Miami. Um, and I certainly think the fact that the Cavs won the championship and because of the way that he performed over the last four years, and there's not a lot that people um, wanted more from him with, um, I think all of that makes it that the majority of fans, maybe majority is the wrong word, but enough fans appreciate what he did um, and don't hold it against him that he went to the Lakers. Sure. And maybe you've already answered this next question at this point, but how do you think Cleveland fans view LeBron's career arc? Is he pretty much above the jersey and team at this point? Just because it seems like he's had four specific chapters in his life now. There's Cleveland part one. There's Miami Super Team, Cleveland Part 2, and bringing the championship home. And now there's riding off into the sunset as a Laker. Do you think they just view it as, you know, because Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant, for the most part, they were, they've been part of the Bulls or the Lakers, respectively, for much of their career. So for LeBron James, even bringing up Magic Johnson, right, who he's looked up to, Magic Johnson was with the Lakers the entire time. But for LeBron James, is his legacy, even though he's been sort of this marauder that, yeah, he's just above the jersey at this point. And as far as anybody knows, he's one of the best players ever to play in the history of the NBA. And he's doing so much for the community. And let's leave it at that. So I think it's split, of course, when you're talking about a fan base. I think it depends who you ask, right? You could probably go down the street and you could ask, 10 different people and it might be 50, 50 or it might be 60, 40, it might be 70, 30. And it's just which 10 people are you talking to? Sure. And, and I just think that's, that's the kind of reaction that LeBron sparks even around the country. Um, at the same time, uh, I think the ones 
that that have a problem with him going to Los Angeles, the thing that they'll bring up, Jonathan, is exactly what you're alluding to, and they'll label him, quote-unquote, ring chaser. Um, but the ones that understand it, I think, understand the reality of life in the NBA right now, that this is just a different era. A guy playing for 15 or 20 years with the same team in the free agency era of the NBA um, and the way that LeBron James changed free agency in the NBA forever in 2010, mm-hmm. I just don't know how much of a reality that is. The Tim Duncans of the world, the Dirk Nowitzkis sure. of the world, the Kobe Bryants. I just don't think that's reality with today's NBA. Um, so again, I think it just depends who you ask. That's fair. And, you know, I'd be very happy if people were saying that LeBron James went to the Lakers because he's ring chasing. Because let me tell you, (laughs) I've heard that he's waving the white flag. He's done. He's realistic that he'll never beat the Warriors and he's ready to kick his feet up. Here's the thing that I would say. And, you know, I'm not going to be a homer for LeBron James or anything like that. But I, I just don't know how you could ever discount this guy ever. Yeah. I mean, this past year, what he did with the Cavs, given all the circumstances that were working against him and all of the adversity that they had to get through in the regular season, Jonathan, internally, there were people with the Cavs that were wondering, can we even make the playoffs? (laughs) Not can we get to the finals, not can we get to the championship level that we need to to compete with the Warriors, but can we even make the playoffs? Can we be one of the eight seeds in the feeble Eastern Conference? And then LeBron took it to a completely different level in the second half of the season. And then in the playoffs, he took it to a completely different level than even what he did in the regular season, which I don't know a lot of people felt like existed that particular (laughs) level that he reached for the Cavs just to drag them into the NBA Finals. So I'm never, ever going to put anything past him. And he has so much self-belief, and he should, by the way, I mean, this is a guy who said, it doesn't matter what seed I am. Give me the eight seed. Give me the three seed. Give me the one seed. I'm going to go into your house, and I'm going to win that series. He's not going to Los Angeles to do anything other than win. He mm-hmm. believes that he can win in Los Angeles. And I got news for you. In the Western Conference, I truly believe this, Jonathan. I don't know what the Lakers roster is going to look like, and I'm sure that it's going to look different in February and March than it does right now. But are you trying to tell me that the Portland Trailblazers are going to beat LeBron James in a seven-game series? (laughs) You have to beat the guy four times in seven tries. There's one team that's been able to do that for the last four years, and I know his teammates have been better in Cleveland. But the truth is, this you have to have a certain mentality, and you have to have a certain mental toughness to deal with this dude four times in seven tries in a playoff series. And I think there's one team in the Western Conference that will be able to do that. And that's the Golden State Warriors. Mm -hmm. Everybody else, they might be more talented than the Lakers. But that dude is going to make it so that it doesn't matter as much as a lot of people think it will. No, this is great. And you sound very rational. (laughs) Um, But it's it's funny, you know, the double standard that exists everywhere. And I'm not trying, I don't want to play the persecution card complex, because how can we play persecution card when we're the freaking Lakers? But having been in the dumps for the last five years, and you know, just people hating on the Lakers, even when we were good. This double standard just exists where on the one end, everything you mentioned is correct. LeBron James pretty much dragged that Cavaliers team to the finals and almost won game one against the Golden State Warriors. And not only that, but he took pretty much two entirely different Cavs rosters 
to the finals. I was like, dude, that snapshot of the Cavs season where he took two entirely different rosters and somehow still made it work. You don't think he's going to find a way to make it work with a team that still had a Lakers team that still has their main young core intact with that continuity in place. And look, they may end up trading those guys, but I don't understand why this context people are placing this context of Cavaliers version of LeBron James the last three years in this entirely new environment and not taking taking into account that one LeBron James just chose to join one of the most storied franchise in the NBA under Magic Johnson under the shadow of Kobe Bryant and people are going to tell me he's not going to want to put his best foot forward even if he doesn't have the superstar roster that's supposedly going to come I think that will mitigate that interim period. Look, this this roster is not set to contend with the Golden State Warriors, and LeBron James knows that maybe it's going to take half a season for a trade to happen for another superstar, or maybe the full season for us to get to 2019 summer when we'll have another max free agent slot open. But in the interim, well, he's going to take it one more level up that we haven't yet seen, and he'll see what he can do with that. You know, so it's just funny that, and I get it, I get it. People can compartmentalize things and see the way that LeBron James totally carried the Cavs last year and how amazing he is. But then when you put him in a Lakers purple and gold jersey, then they'll say, ah, they got nothing, you know, (laughs) or like he's not going to be able to do it. He just came for the media opportunities, the film industry opportunities, and he's just being realistic that that's it. Right. So I, 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 I just don't know how anybody, based on what LeBron has done for the last 15 years, and what he did last year, in year 15, at 33 years of age, where people were having a conversation about whether he should have been the MVP of the league. Like, I don't know how you could doubt the guy. I don't know. <laughs> how could you? What, what has he ever done where he hasn't lived up to expectations? Right? There were people that, that thought a long time ago uh, when he decided to go to Miami. And yes, it's a long time ago. That's amazing <laughs> to think about. But back in yeah. 2010... Like, oh, this guy doesn't know how to win. He's not a champion. He can't be the go-to guy. You know, he couldn't do that in Cleveland, whatever they were trying to say about him. And he met that challenge head on, and he turned Miami into the best team in the Eastern Conference for four years, and he won two titles in four years. And then he comes back to Cleveland, and people are like, wait a minute, you came back, to, you just left behind Miami? a team that went to four straight NBA finals with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh. You left that behind to come to Cleveland with Deion Waiters, Tristan Thompson, (laughs) Kyrie Irving, and a team that went to the lottery over and over and over again, and a team that was left in ruins, basically. You're leaving Miami for that? And then he takes the Cavs to new heights again. So I just don't know how there's anybody out there that could ever doubt this guy's ability to lift a team to new heights and lift teammates to different kind of levels. He got Timofey Mozgov $64 million. <laughs> he got Amon Shumpert $44 million. He got Matthew Dellavedova, Matthew Dellavedova, a $40 million contract. He got James Jones, a contract with wherever LeBron wanted James Jones. <laughs> like that's the kind of impact that he can have. And look, the honeymoon period's going to end at some point with Los mm-hmm. Angeles. And LeBron's going to send cryptic tweets, and he's probably (laughs) going to take shots at Magic Johnson, and he's probably going to take shots at Lonzo Ball, and he's going to find somebody on that young team that he calls kid over and over and over (laughs) again, and it's going to piss the guy off the way that it pissed off Kyrie Irving, 
but everybody there is going to say, well, it was worth it because it's always worth it when it comes to LeBron. And he's always going to give you a chance to reach heights that maybe you don't think are reachable. Absolutely. And that's just the LeBron tax you have to pay, just like we paid the Kobe tax. I mean, we're familiar with it. So and I'm glad that you brought up that point of just him coming back to Cleveland a second time around. You know, I keep hearing this argument, and it's the only way that Lakers haters have to try and discount. It's their only it's their main ammo, right? It's called this was a personal decision and not a basketball decision. And you just mentioned him coming back to Cleveland. I would argue that was totally a personal decision as well. Look, Kyrie Irving was already on the team and he was showing a lot of promise. And I think at that point he was already an all-star even in his yep. third year, which is great. But still, the Cleveland Cavaliers were 33 and 49 in a weaker Eastern Conference. And like you said, LeBron James left a better basketball situation through and through with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh to come home and deliver that championship and find a way to make things work. So in your eyes, what do you have to say to people that are saying... And I don't want you to pander too much to the Los Angeles crowd, but I just don't understand why people make it such a mutually exclusive kind of deal where, look, LA fans are not unrealistic in saying that there were better basketball decisions out there, including the 76ers. You know, they're ready-made to bring in LeBron James because Joel Embiid is a ready-made superstar. Ben Simmons is a ready-made superstar, and they still have one max cap slot to use. So he could have definitely gone there. But... Los Angeles also has a promising group of young core pieces and they don't have that one franchise tag player. But maybe you could argue that the sum of their parts somewhat equal a Joel Embiid, but also they have another max slot coming as well. And the promise of that, plus all of the off-court incentives and living in LA, all of that factored into everything, right? And also this was just, the timing just worked out for the Lakers and LeBron James. If this was two years ago and we didn't have Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Kyle Kuzma, I'm not sure LeBron James would have been like, yeah, I'm coming over, even if he's had the same movie opportunities that he has now. I think you're right about that. And I think if you go back to his decision to come to Cleveland in 2014, like if Kyrie Irving wasn't Kyrie Irving um, and if the Cavs didn't have Kyrie, like, I don't know that there would be enough basketball reasons for him to even come back to Cleveland. Like, it was home, and he wanted to undo the black mark on his resume, which was the decision, and he wanted to deliver on a promise to end the championship drought and deliver a championship to this city. Like, all those things played into it. But there still had to be enough basketball-related reasons for him to come back to Cleveland. And right. there were. And there were because of what he felt the Cavs could become. It was never about what the Cavs were. It's about what they could become. Yep. And with him and Kyrie Irving, they could become something great. And they also had all of the assets, the draft picks that they had acquired for the last couple of years, and the young players on team-friendly controllable contracts that were going to make them a player for another All-Star, whether it was LaMarcus Aldridge, Carmelo Anthony, or Kevin Love, the guy that they got. LeBron's smart enough to know all those things. And he looked at all those things. And he said, yeah, maybe the Cavs aren't great right now. They're coming off a 30-win season. But we can become the next super team um, in the Eastern Conference. And I think it's very similar with the Lakers. Look, Jonathan, so many people, and trust me, I don't pander to anybody. So if you know anything about <laughs> cool. me, pandering is not what I do. And what I'm saying with you is something that I've written and something that Cavs fans don't like that I've <laughs> written. 
but it's just the way it is. And I'm just trying to lay out what I think is the reasoning behind what was a very complex decision. I think too many people are trying to make it simplistic. I think in simple forms, you can say LeBron wanted to be a member of the Los Angeles Lakers. He mm. always wanted to be a member of the Lakers. And that's okay. That's okay. He grew up rooting for the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees and all these other um, iconic sports teams, right? And he never got to be a part of that. He played for the Cavs and he played for the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers are at a different level. So obviously there was always going to be appeal of being a Los Angeles Laker to this guy who loved those other teams growing up. Um, so that played into it. But there also had to be basketball-related reasons. Yep. And his family had to be happy there. And he had to feel like it was the best thing for his family and for basketball. And I said from the very beginning, Jonathan, LeBron laid out the things that mattered most to him as soon as the Cavs lost in the NBA Finals. And he said it best. He said, my family's going to be a part of this decision, and I need to stay in championship mode. So immediately I said, okay, what's the best combination of those two things that matter the most to LeBron? Cleveland's home. Los Angeles is home, right? Mm -hmm. So the only place that he could have gone that he would have considered home beyond Cleveland was Los Angeles, not Philadelphia, not Houston, not anywhere else. So it was the best combination of the two things that mattered most to him. But if the Lakers weren't good enough from a basketball standpoint in terms of what LeBron feels like they can become, then I don't think he'd be in Los Angeles right now. But the Lakers are very similar to the Cavs from the standpoint of when LeBron was making his decision, he knew that there was free agency money that the Lakers could spend, that the Cavs could not, that some other teams could not, so that the team could change the complexion of what they were at the time that he made the decision. And they did that. They changed mm -hmm. completely because they added Rondo, they added Lance Stevenson, JaVale McGee, and LeBron is smart enough to recognize that if... If Kawhi Leonard becomes available in a trade, or things go wrong with Paul George, or Damian Lillard decides he's the next disgruntled star that wants out of Portland, then the Lakers are going to be at the front of that line along with Boston and some other teams that have the young up-and-coming pieces that those teams are going to want, similar to what the Cavs had to give up in order to get Kevin Love. Like, all of those things matter. You can't just say it was one thing. You can't just say it was two things. It's like buying a house. <laughs> Which house has the most things that I want for me? And that was Los Angeles. It was always Los Angeles. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of bit timing, a lot of bit Los Angeles, a little bit Magic Johnson and Rob Palinka, and a little bit Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart. And I think Magic plays a big role in this too, Jonathan. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think something that um, I realized about LeBron is that um, you can say maybe it was because of his contract or maybe because it was his um, the way that he handled some of his younger teammates in the past. Um, but, but I think he's, he's at a point where he needs help recruiting. I, mm -hmm. I don't believe that LeBron has connected to the younger wave of star in the NBA um, mm -hmm. the way that teammate Kyrie Irving did. And I think the way that he treated Kyrie, uh, poking at him, um, calling him a kid over and over and over again, not always treating him like a peer, but kind of like a son. Um, I think that impacts um, how Paul George, Jimmy Butler, some of those other young players that are really, really close to Kyrie 
see LeBron and see an opportunity of playing alongside LeBron. And I think the other thing is because LeBron is so dominant and he is such a playmaker that needs the ball in his hands constantly, you know, some of those guys that are on that level, that star level, they probably don't want to subjugate their ego or subjugate their game in order to fit alongside LeBron. So I think him being unable to recruit some of the stars to Cleveland over the last four years I think that played into it as well because I think he needs Los Angeles and I think he needs Magic Johnson. And now if you have one of those stars that's looking in free agency, Los Angeles is always going to be attractive because it's Los Angeles. And now you're pitching Los Angeles alongside Magic Johnson as opposed to like Kobe Altman, David Griffin, Dan Gilbert, somebody like that. And I think being there with the Lakers is going to help LeBron recruit guys that he can't recruit on his own. Yeah, absolutely. Agree with you. So Cleveland's last season before LeBron came with Kyrie Irving, they were 33 and 49. Yep. And the Lakers last year were 35 and 47. So I just like to continue to draw the parallels between the two situations. And by the way, the Lakers, if if I have this right, they were 24 and 23 in the year 2018 after the calendar flipped. They were. I think that's pretty good. I mean, I think yeah. that shows the upside of what the team can potentially become. And and you know what? My partner, Joe Varden, and I have talked about this, Jonathan, on the Wine and Gold Talk podcast. Like, if you just take LeBron out of the equation and you looked at the Cavs that, that were left behind and you look at the Lakers, like, I think there's an argument to be made that the Lakers roster itself is better than what the Cavs have left over. Now, I know that the Lakers don't have a Kevin Love. They don't have that all-star type. Um, But I think overall, uh, I think you can make an argument that the Lakers are a better situation, um, just in terms of talent, in terms of roster. Well, you already know Lakers fans will agree with you on that, especially because they were 35-47 and in the Western Conference without a LeBron, like you said. And that also includes a very bad nine-game losing stretch where they couldn't win a game and they had injuries. Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball, even those two important pieces, were very much injured. So not to try and play armchair psychologist with the Cleveland fan, but do you think that there's some amount of jealousy beyond the obvious here that's at play that's making some Cavs fans auto-sandbag LeBron's prospects with the Lakers, mainly because what he's doing with the Lakers and committing long-term to them for four years is something that they've been wishing would happen to them, whether that be Miami Heat fans or Cleveland Cavaliers fans the last four years, because each year has been a new adventure, right? Where it's LeBron James for one year and a conditional second year, another year, conditional Mm -hmm. second year. Do you think part of that's in play where it's like, man, actually the Lakers situation is what we'd always wish LeBron would do in terms of even if there is an interim first year, at least they're building that roster out the right way and being patient and at least trialing guys out first instead of flipping guys on the first sign of trouble. And maybe that might still happen, but still not doing that superstar flip immediately and just trying to maximize as many assets as you can and really take a firm assessment of the roster that you have because LeBron James has afforded you the opportunity to be flexible and do so. Do you think part of that's at play when Cleveland fans or Miami Heat fans are are kind of trashing on the Lakers and saying LeBron took this four-year deal because he knows this is the end? This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. 
With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Uh, so first, to that point, um, it is very possible that some of those young guys that you were talking about with the Lakers aren't there in February yeah, and yeah. March. So some of them um, may not want to get too comfortable sure. with their locker because Dion Waiters learned that in Cleveland, <laughs> right? I mean, LeBron yeah. talked about Dion and being excited about trying to help him become a champion and help all these young guys become a champion and stuff like that. And then he recognized in January, uh-uh, nope, 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 get that guy out of here. They brought in Amon Shumpert, <laughs> they brought in um, J.R. Smith, they brought in Timofey Mozgov, and the complexion of the team changed completely at the trade deadline that year, and they just um, they morphed into a different kind of team. So that very well could still happen with the Lakers, and he very well could get really, really annoyed with Lonzo or Josh Hart, or any of these young guys, because he is going to be really, really hard on them. And he is going to push them in a way that they've never been pushed. Um, And while there are great things that come with playing LeBron, with LeBron, um, it is very, very demanding, and it is not for Mm -hmm. everybody. Um, And you would know the makeup of those guys a lot better than I do. Sure. Um, But but that very well could happen, that they end up going because LeBron just can't handle it. And because those guys can't handle LeBron, um, right. and and to your point about the the committing long term thing, Jonathan, I, I I think there are some fans that are upset with LeBron about that. I, I think they hold it against him. Some of the moves that the Cavs were quote unquote forced to make in the four years that LeBron was here, um, and they're upset about that still. Um, and we had David Griffin, former Cavs GM, on our podcast, and he talked about all the challenges of trying to um, trying to assemble a roster and weigh the short term and the long term with a guy like LeBron, who was on that kind of contract structure. And he said basically he couldn't think about long term. It was it was all in. It was always short term moves. It was giving up first round picks for Kyle Korver and multiple first round picks for Timofey Mozgov because. Like those are the things that are required of a GM and an organization when trying to stay at a championship level with LeBron. He's mm-hmm. going to continue to put pressure on everybody in the organization uh, to be at their best constantly and to continue to make moves and continue to spend money and continue to be in the luxury tax. Um, so I think there are some fans that do hold it against him that he didn't commit, quote unquote, to this team for four years. Um but but I don't know that their anger about LeBron going to Los Angeles or their jealousy about him going to Los Angeles goes any further than that, to be honest. Sure, that's fair. I think my point was more getting at, again, like this double standard that occurs when LeBron James puts on a Lakers jersey where people will say, on the one hand, why is why are they wasting a year of LeBron's prime coming to the Lakers and not immediately flipping over guys to get a Kawhi Leonard when they could have or trying their best to get Paul George or Damian Lillard you know when if we put this back to when he first got with the Cavs and let's say 
the Cavs outside of Andrew Wiggins also had max cap space. I'm sure a lot of fans would have wanted to at least trial out Andrew Wiggins first and, and then, then say, hey, we can get the best of both worlds and have our cake and eat it too and still trade for Kevin Love. But also, hey, Andrew Wiggins is here too and he can help, you know? That's essentially what the Lakers are doing. And even though there is that Dion Waiters situation, for me, it's just, let's just get a shot. Let's just see how these guys play for the first two months. And if they don't shake out, yeah, go ahead and trade them. I don't have a problem with that. I just want the chance to see what they can be. And LeBron James has afforded the Lakers front office that opportunity where in other circumstances, in other scenarios, Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo Ball may already be gone for Jimmy Butler. And again, that may happen down the line, but we're going to get a chance to see how they look first. Right. LeBron plays basketball chess. I think everybody has to recognize that. Um, Sometimes he sees things on the court before they even happen. And sometimes he sees things off the court in terms of moves that can be made and in terms of what can be assembled before they even happen. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't put it past him um, or, or I wouldn't discount the fact that he's already thought two, three moves ahead of everybody else. Right. And all of a sudden the Lakers make a move either at the trade deadline or in the summer of 2019 that absolutely nobody is expecting. But LeBron has already planned that in his own mind because that's just how brilliant he is and that's how he operates. And and look, he was not going to leave Cleveland for for any kind of situation um, that he considered anything but the perfect situation or the best situation for him. He was not going to do that. He's already thought this through. He's thought about the criticisms that are going to come his way. He's thought about the frustration that might be there at the beginning of the season with a young team. Mm -hmm. He's thought about all of this stuff because he doesn't make any move. He doesn't say anything without thinking about it first. And, And I try and say this in like the nicest way possible and it probably isn't going to come across that way. So don't let LeBron listen to this, but (laughs) (laughs) he is the most calculated person that I have ever been around ever. Mm. And there are reasons behind everything that he says and everything that he does every second that that he thinks about it. Sure. And luckily, we are no strangers to the reign of a dictator as we had Kobe Bryant. But they they led and they funneled through their message to the media in much different ways. Kobe Bryant was just a lot more blatant. <laughs> and it seems like LeBron James is a little more PC and passive aggressive about the way he disseminates his uh, his wishes and desires. Would you agree with that? Or so yeah, he is passive aggressive at times, um, but there's also times, Jonathan, where he will pull us reporters to the side and say, "I want to get something off my chest. I want mm. you to write something, and I want you to put this general manager on blast, right? <laughs> or I want you to put this owner on blast." Gotcha. It, it happens. I mean, it happened in I believe January. Um, in New Orleans, uh, I wasn't there, but my partner Joe Varden was there. Uh, Jason Lloyd of The Athletic was there. Dave McMenamin um, of ESPN was there. And he basically said the roster is top-heavy as bleep, um, <laughs> and we don't have enough playmakers. And he just blasted the entire organization because he had had enough. And it was not this past January, but the previous one. Um, so yes, he will do things like that. He will do what he thinks is best so that the team, 
um, continues to make the best possible moves and so that they can compete for a championship. Sometimes it's on Twitter and it's passive aggressive <laughs> and it's not calling guys out by name, but everybody in the world can figure out who he means by it. Right. Um, and other times he will pull reporters to the side because he has something that he wants to say. So full on house of cards mode is what oh, you're saying. Oh, it can be. Oh, <laughs> it can be scorched earth. It's just how he feels that particular day and how he thinks is the best way for him to get that message across. Absolutely. Sure, sure. All right. Well, to close this out, I guess I just wanted to get your thoughts on the Lakers roster. I know a lot of emphasis has been placed on the Lakers new guys, and these are guys on one-year deals, veterans like Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, and JaVale McGee. And if everything shakes out and the Lakers young guys have the sort of clout and progress through the trajectory that all Lakers fans hope they will, those guys are not going to be getting the bulk of the minutes. But because everybody had visions of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George to begin their summer, then obviously there's a huge drop off in all of a sudden having to resort to this motley crew of Rajon Rondo, JaVale McGee and Michael Beasley and Lance Stevenson. So I get it. But I guess what are your thoughts on what the Lakers are trying to construct? You'd just mentioned that LeBron James had a problem with not having any playmakers and just having shooters or guys who can do one or two things well. Look, the Lakers are trying to do something different. They're trying to zig zag or zig when the other when the league is zagging and zigging, whatever the phrase is. Yeah, plus. And it- <laughs> The Lakers are trying to do something different, and we'll see this season if it's a good different or a bad different. But what are your thoughts on surrounding LeBron James with with playmakers like Rajon Rondo and Lance Stevenson? So I think this answer has a lot of layers to it, right? And I think we have to start, Jonathan, by saying LeBron James respects the hell out of everybody that the Lakers signed. Mm-hmm. And he signed off on every single one of them. He yep. would have had to. And I know in having conversations with LeBron that he loves Lonzo. He thinks the world of Lonzo Ball and he thinks the world of Rajon Rondo in the same kind of way in terms of his competitiveness, in terms of his championship DNA, in terms of how he sees the game, in terms of um, his basketball IQ. Uh, and I know that even though he's had some run-ins with Lance Stevenson and maybe he thinks deep down that Lance is a nut job and he probably is (laughs) that he respects the way that he plays his toughness, his competitiveness. You need dudes like that to win in the playoffs. And JaVale McGee has been a champion. He has found a way to get the most out of his own abilities and flourish when everybody else was throwing him to the curb because he got a different situation in Golden State and he got around different teammates. Um, and I think in the environment of Los Angeles, alongside LeBron, he can be very, very beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, Jonathan, um, yes, I think the way that the game is going, uh, if you want to compete with the Warriors and you want to compete with the Rockets, you have to have multiple playmakers. And you have to have two-way players. Now, maybe you sit here and you say, Lance Stevenson's not as good of a defender as maybe his reputation would lead you to believe. Or maybe you sit here and say that Rajon Rondo, uh, based on all of the advanced metrics, was a terrible defensive player for the past couple of years. Um, But those guys are going to play defense. They're going to try on defense. They are considered, I think, two-way players and guys who can create offense for themselves and create offense for their teammates. Um, And there was a shortage of that in Cleveland, especially after Kyrie Irving left. 
And I remember having a conversation with GM David Griffin when he was the GM, um, when the Cavs lost the first NBA Finals against the Warriors, before Mm -hmm. the Warriors became the Warriors. Um, And the buzzword around the team was playmaker. Playmaker, playmaker, playmaker. We didn't have enough playmaking against that particular team. They had Sean Livingston. They had Steph Curry. They had Draymond Green. They had Andre Iguodala. And the list goes on and on and on. And that's something that the Cavs lamented for a number of years whenever they played against the Warriors, that they didn't have enough playmaking and they had too many specialists. So I think that's part of it. And I think the other thing that's in play here, Jonathan, is, look, the the common belief is that you surround LeBron with shooters and you want as much floor spacing as possible. And that has been proven to be a really, really effective formula. Mm-hmm. That's how teams have done it. That's how LeBron has flourished. That's how those teams have flourished. So I still think that's the right way. But the reality is, if the Lakers wanted to keep the cap space for 2019 so that they can get that star that we've talked about, and it's going to be a great free agency class, like the guys that you would fit around LeBron in a perfect world were probably not going to take the deals that Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, and JaVale McGee took. Right? So you have to sometimes work with what you have. You can't just make something out of You can't just say, oh, I'm going to give this guy a one-year contract to come because he's a great shooter around LeBron, and he's going to take that because that's just the way that it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you have to go a different direction because what you have to give is not going to get what you want in return. So that's Absolutely. part of it. And I think the other thing that's in play here, Jonathan, again, I think there's so many layers to this particular thing. Sure. Um, I think the other thing that's in play here is that if this doesn't go the way that everybody wants in Los Angeles, and if this doesn't go the way that LeBron wants it to go, there's a very real possibility because of the flexibility that the Lakers have that they can pivot in February. And we have seen LeBron, maybe not other people, but we have seen LeBron take a completely different roster from one half of a season to another half of a season and find a way to bring that thing together quick enough to actually be dangerous in a playoff setting. Look, we we covered the team this year, and we were like, no way this is going to happen. Are you kidding me? (laughs) They're bringing in Rodney Hood. They're bringing in uh, Jordan Clarkson, Larry Nance Jr. They're getting rid of Dwayne Wade. They're getting rid of this guy. And the, the roster was completely different. And we asked LeBron about it every single day. And he's like, we're going to have to fast track. Well, we don't want to fast track because I don't believe in that. No, we're going to have to fast track. No, we don't want to skip step. And he kept going back and forth because I don't think LeBron knew how it was going to work. He didn't really have the answers, but he made it work. And if there's somebody who can make it work, if you pivot that drastically at the trade deadline, it's that guy. So I just think... I just think the way that people are looking at the Lakers right now is flawed because I simply don't believe that that's going to be the roster in February and March. And that's what's going to matter most. Absolutely. Do you want to host the Lakers Legacy podcast? You pretty much <laughs> every every point you brought up is pretty much through several episodes what I've been trying to iterate and articulate to the entire fan base just because, look, offering these one-year deals, not only offering just these one-year deals, 
but offering the wishy-washy role that comes with it. You know, right. Stan Stevens not guaranteed minutes. Michael Beasley's not guaranteed minutes. Not even Rajon Rondo is. It's a two-way street, and we've already heard of some deals where the Lakers offered offered a contract to Mario Hazonia. But guess what? Mario Hazonia looked at the Lakers roster and said, I'm going to have to compete with Kyle Kuzma and Josh Hart. No No thanks. You know, and then they had discussions with Tyreek Evans and Tyreek Evans inevitably ended up signing a one-year deal with the Indiana Pacers. But I think he did that because there's a better opportunity there than there was with the Lakers. So I think a big thing with with free agencies and, and playing alongside LeBron, one of the most important things to anybody is, are you willing to accept your role, number one, but can you be as effective in that particular role, mm-hmm. right? If we're going to take the ball out of your hands, can you still be as effective? Or if we're going to do different things with you than what you're used to, can you still be a great effective player? Dion Waiters could not, and he was sent packing. Other guys could not, and they didn't stay with the team. And I think that's something that's very, very important. Uh, GM David Griffin old GM David Griffin always called it role delineation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and some of these guys, like you were mentioning, yeah, maybe they took a one-year deal to go play elsewhere, but they had a clearly defined role. Yep. And what they were going to be doing on that team that they signed with was always going to be the best for them to potentially cash in down the road. If you're talking about Tyreek Evans, right, he needs the ball in his hands. He's considered a playmaker. One of the things that went wrong with the Kyrie Irving LeBron marriage is that Kyrie is a playmaker and he wants the ball in his hands and he's brilliant with the ball in his hands. But he couldn't be the kind of player that he wants to be and he thinks he can be playing alongside the greatest playmaker of the last decade in LeBron. So it just wasn't a marriage that was going to work for a long, long time. And and I think it's the same thing with some of these other guys that maybe the Lakers wanted in free agency. Or maybe people felt like fit better with the Lakers in free agency. They were going to have to accept their role, understand their role, and find a way to be effective in that role. And that's just not for everybody. And and the other thing is, Jonathan, everybody wants shooting. Everybody in the NBA (laughs) wants shooting. That's why the shooters really didn't get one-year deals. They got two, three-year deals, except J.J. Redick, who took a one-year deal to go back with the Sixers, but very few prominent shooters that you would say, wow, that guy fits great alongside LeBron. Very few of those guys were willing to take those kinds of deals because they were in high demand. Yep, absolutely. And for me, I I just view these guys as break in case of emergency type guys, right? If the Lakers or when the Lakers inevitably make the playoffs, barring any sort of catastrophic injury, Let's say Lonzo Ball or Kyle Kuzma or Brandon Ingram get the hiccups in the playoffs. Well, all right, Rajon Rondo, Michael Beasley, and Lance Stevenson, you've played here before. Do something. Literally, they are just break-in-case-of-emergency-type parachute guys who, given the context and situation, that was probably, honestly, the best the Lakers could do with the one-year deals they were doling out. And also, somehow, they also have the type of DNA, like you said, that LeBron James finds endearing or appreciates. So with that said, Chris, thank you so much for hopping on and just uh, giving us your viewpoint on LeBron James and what it's been like covering him these last however many years you've been covering the Cavaliers. Before we head out, if you just want to, again, plug your social media sites and anything you have upcoming for Cleveland.com or how you guys are prepping for this upcoming season, please go ahead and do so. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, at Chris Fedor, last name spelled F-E-D-O-R, all connected. Um, And then 
we are actually going to have a new Wine and Gold Talk podcast that drops before the weekend with uh, Cavs play-by-play guy Fred McLeod. Um, he does a great job on the TV side of things, and we're going to talk to him just about like how different this season's going to be for him and some of his memories of covering LeBron for the four years um, and what he learned uh, that he's going to take going forward. So that's going to come up probably on Friday, I think. So you can check out the Wine and Gold Talk podcast again on cleveland.com, cleveland.com slash Cavs. That's where all of our stuff is. And then the Wine and Gold Talk podcast, you can find that on iTunes. So if you like it, give it a like, hit that subscribe button. And uh, it's been fun, man. I appreciate you having me on, Jonathan. <laughs> Absolutely. So are you telling me you guys aren't going to have a podcast dissecting Jordan Clarkson's <laughs> Asia Games Philippines performance for the national team? I'm Filipino, by the way, so I can say this stuff. And I'm Not sad. Yet, but I could guess how it came down. It came down with Jordan Clarkson taking a whole <laughs> bunch of shots, having blinders on when he drove to the basket, not passing to anybody else. Am I right? Well, Chris, context, context, context. That's the exact type of player that the Philippines national team needs. And he was the best player. Unfortunately, they lost to China and South Korea. But hey, um, all jokes aside, please take care of Larry Nance Jr. I I hope he's a long-term sort of guy for you guys moving forward because he is the ultimate professional. And obviously, he's from there. So it's probably very easy to embrace him. Uh, He was one of my favorites on the Lakers as well. So. Yeah, he's great. And there's no doubt, Jonathan, that they consider him a a big part of the team's future. And they're trying to get something done long term with him. I would think that it does get done, if if not before the season, probably during the season, because, um, you know, he was the centerpiece of that trade that they made with the Lakers at the trade deadline. It wasn't about Jordan Clarkson. It was about Larry Nance Jr. So he's the guy that they wanted. Absolutely. And not to prolong this, but how how good is the love and Sexton name combo thing going on there? (laughs) I don't think anybody's put that together <laughs> quite the way that you have, Jonathan. Um, but I'm sure somebody is definitely thinking about that right now. That's for sure. Awesome. All right. With that said, Chris, hopefully we'll catch you sometime later. Maybe we'll talk again during the regular season or something like that. So thanks for hopping on and we'll catch you later. You got it, man. Anytime. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more Yeah, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states.